0: Hello everybody! Welcome or welcome back to Life Podcast. I'm Phyllis McKenzie, joined by Sean Parker for the Culture, Canvas and Convo series. Before we begin, if you're new to the podcast, take a moment to follow all our social media pages, links will be in the description down below, and subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening from, so you don't miss another new episode from us. Anyway, today's topic is an exploration of the subject that has dominated headlines, social media, and conversations across the globe, Cancel culture, and woke issues. It's a topic that sparked passionate debates, filled countless stories, news articles, and raised important questions about accountability, freedom of expression, and dynamics of our digital age. But first, Sean, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hello, hello, Phyllis. Lovely to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're glad that you're here joining us for our Phyllis and Sean episode series, uh, six episode series. Absolutely. Delighted. Yeah. So for today's topic, I thought that we just break it down into several mini subtopics or mini topics that make it easy for our audience to digest. And we'll first begin with uh, historical contexts of uh, cancel culture and woke capitalism or woke issues. Is there a way you could briefly introduce or trace the history or the roots of public shaming and social justice activism in our societies?
1: Yeah, I guess um, if it comes to cancel culture, which is my specific uh, kind of interest, uh, cancel culture in the arts and academia, um, Mm -hmm. it's... It essentially comes to the fact that um, the universities now across the West are run by uh, essentially uh, people on the left. So um, which is obviously the extreme of that is communism, um, which has been popular for 100 years in academia. Um, It got much more controversial kind of during the Cold War. Um, But then in 89, when all that ended, when the Russian um, uh, when the USSR fell and became Russia, and kind of Russia became capitalist, um, there was no enemy anymore. So the enemy started to essentially be other professors within your campus uh, who happened to be traditional or capitalistic or something like that. So um, that 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 kind of feeling started to spiral out of the academies into other people and into the institution because you train the future brains in your academy so then they, they go out into the world and become editors and all the rest of it um they, they affect the culture and if you're coming from a sort of purely uh sort of a left-wing perspective um then you surround yourself with, with the left-wingers and when you see a right-winger um you don't know what to do with them it's, it's another kind of species it's so it seems so um that then eventually becomes we have to shut them up um which is cancel culture we're not going to publish their books we're going to Possibly expose them, not that they don't care about being exposed. They haven't occurred to them, but there's two camps in society. Um, and the internet has really exacerbated all that due to the fact that the algorithms go to the binary and the advertisers kind of make the money out of lots of hits and the, and the eyeballs go to the negative. So, um, then you have a, have a polarized kind of cultural system funded with advertising from an old school of left and right. And the left are generally canceling the right, but the right sometimes cancel the left when they get the chance.
0: Cancel culture is actually on a platform or maybe like a foundation of holding individuals and institutions accountable for actions that they do so that we can strive for a more just society and more equitable actions around the globe. But how can we distinguish between genuine accountability and a toxic aspect of cancel culture because presently you find people don't know the difference between is this actually a good type of cancel or is this just something to worsen the situation type of cancel.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it's, it's the counter argument is accountability, um, which was just kind of brought up as a as a response to criticisms of cancel culture, because it doesn't occur to them that it's not a good thing to censor kind of, a, sort of a, 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 other writers and academics and artists. Um, they think they're just doing the right thing. But Mr. George Orwell pointed out in his books, 1984, of course, and kind of a, Animal Farm and all of his essays, which are not, not that read, but he predicted all this 50 years, 60, before it started happening, that um, this is what would happen. And with Orwell, is, he's famously not left or right. He's uh, like a journalist criticism criticiser who's an exemplar to any writer and artist who's trying to find a way to, through all this. Accountability was brought up in a way to explain the bad behaviours of the censors um, because they didn't realise they were being bad. And he said, well, what, how would you think if that happened to your book about the environment, for example? And they said, why would it happen? I'm a kind person. Well, you're kind until you're taking the livelihood away from freedom of speech, which whatever the if you're a sort of the freedom of speech absolutist like Elon Musk, I essentially ascribe to that, but also I'm happy to hear arguments against freedom of speech too, and to like entertain them. It's just I haven't heard many I, I can't f- to- or find one where it even applies you know so um, there's nothing that can be said that can offend me, and then if it's going to do bad things in the future. That's that's a useless example. If you say you shouldn't say something in case something else happens, that's rather connected to accountability. It's like, well, because you expressed yourself, now we're going to sack you. Well, so the consequences, the accountability for the freedom of speech, is having having your livelihood kind of removed. That's not accountability. That's punishment. And that's where it gets confusing. And it needs a case by case basis. Is basic answer to what you're saying.
0: So basically, from your statement, from your statement regarding constructive criticism and the toxic part of cancel culture basically there needs to be a balance and more the, the balance actually has to gravitate more on the constructiveness more than the toxicity part because uh, I remember when uh, before threads came up when Twitter was at its highest peak especially during COVID everybody was getting cancelled for literally the smallest things that they do When you log in into Twitter, the smallest thing that you say, you get dragged in the mud for it. So you realize that even if you're just expressing your thoughts, you're just expressing your opinion, somebody there on the Internet just finds a way to twist your narrative into something really, really bad. And even for institutions themselves, no matter how small their action is, maybe it wasn't even a a bad action. Maybe it was not even an ignorant action it was a pure, innocent action that they did, but they just get dragged down for it. And it's something that social media has really amplified in today's society, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right. And a really interesting point where the written word has always been really, really dangerous. Uh, we've, we've always known that the pen is mightier than the sword and all this. And that's why, of course, it's very exciting and powerful as well. And like a good thing, because people aren't. Kind of being killed, you know. They're just being um, crucified in other ways. Um, and you, you used to think that, like in the in the nineteenth century, in 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 sort of the back of the times, you would have Oscar Wilde having it out with Coleridge and things like that, insulting each other on a week by week basis. And the country w- would read this, wrapped in fascinated by these brains having it out. And you go, well, all that's gone now. It, but no, it's all there in front of us on Twitter uh, and and X and all the rest of it any social media site but of course x is very lively it's very 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 kind of now isn't it very journalistic so you get and the problem is when people communicate in text they're not communicating as people they're just sort of projecting and they're not doing what we're doing right now which is to to, to the two of us and then to your, your audience is like um it, it's a real time to three-way understanding taking time, not having to read everything in a blip in how someone presents it in order to catch someone out or to win an argument. I don't like the rhetoric. um, When you go to a debating society, I'm not the kind of academic who likes to win a debate. I I don't care about that. I like asking questions and getting somewhere interesting, not winning something. And um, that's the adversarial system, which Twitter is based upon, you know, getting the binaries. And as i say sadly it's about making the money because those binaries just like kind of oscar wilde and Coleridge, attract the attention so it's the old old media model um in algorithmic form in front of us and people lose their jobs over this although they were that was happening more a couple of years ago like you say um and people are very tired of cancel culture now and everybody knows it could happen to me too on on the left as well so that's you know people like you me keeping our eyes on this subject is keeping them to account as well with a bit of luck.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something surprising about it because um, cancel culture has somehow ricocheted into journalistic values as well because uh, besides me doing podcasting, I'm actually a journalist. I'm a sophomore journalist student. But you find that you are trained. It's in you to tell the story. It's in you to tell both sides of the story. But somehow, Somehow with cancel culture today, even news stories are twisted. You can't tell the story in its truth because you find people are saying, oh, this journalist, its he's not writing the story based on the emotion or this journalist is not writing the story in a humane way. But it's not up to us to write the story in a humane way. It is up to us to write the story and tell the story, because if we get shifted into the emotional part of this story we lose the most important parts of this narrative and you find cancel culture also dragging journalists along the way because you find they're saying oh this journalist is supporting this type of political party or this journalist is telling more stories about uh, this issue that's happening around the world why are they not talking about this other issue and you find that it's not the journalist's fault Per se, in most of the times, like 99% of the time, it's not the journalist's fault or the story's fault. It's your fault because you decided to go with these random people on the Internet, twist this journalist's story into something that it's not. And even for police cases as well, you find that, especially when there's murder mysteries involved, you find that web sleuths go online, they're trying to solve this murder and then cancel culture pops in. And they're like, you know what? This person did it, he's the who done it. Because, oh, you know what? I discovered like in 2010, they posted this on Facebook or somewhere way back, they posted this on WeChat. You're like, how do you dig into somebody's past? Just to pick that one piece of their life, that one picture they posted, that one comment they said, that one image they liked, and twist it into something that's not there. Like ten, fifteen years later.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. Totally new terrain of offense, kind of archaeology they, they they call it, and it happens in politics here quite a lot. There's 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 an MP in, in England called. Ben Bradley, who's very into men's rights, as in attempting to get some some of the men's rights arguments into parliament, which is totally female dominated now. Um, so he's been saying things like, you know, the rights of men. He's got some traditionalism inside him. He's a conservative MP. He's quite young. Uh, and in order to attack him, because they, they couldn't attack that point, they went back into his history where he said something possibly racist about 10 years ago in terms of um there are too many people who aren't white in my town. Something like that, and this was snipped, kind of presented as Ben, ben Bradley's a racist just because he's into trying to create equality. So uh, it, it was a, it was very strange to watch, and then you started to realise that this is what they do to people in a political sense now, and then you can turn that, as you say, with, with journalists are uh, just as much fire, uh, travel to the fire, you know. Um, it's important in that in the career you're going into to sort of be prepared for that now because it's a, it's a bloodthirsty place now. And also you're forced to make the story as dramatic as possible to get the eyeballs on it. And then you're going to have it twisted as well, either by your editor or by another editor or by a hostile force who you're never going to know who it is. So you almost have to kind of give yourself to that at the moment, which is an insane place to be. Um, can possibly write under a different name, but there's not so much satisfaction in that. So it's, it's really interesting terrain. The best way is, as you say, to write the story as objectively as you can. And if other people are going to um fuck with it, excuse my French, then there's not much you can do about it. And you just have to leave it to them and to the industry that you're in for the time being, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, in relation to that, it actually brings us into the topic of freedom of expression when it comes to cancel culture and woke issues. And uh, there's this delicate or gray area when it comes to the balance between safeguarding marginalized voices and protecting freedom of speech. How, how, Sean, how can we acknowledge the potential chilling effect of cancel culture can have when it comes to expressing what you want to tell to the world no matter if it comes to text if it comes to art if it comes to literally whatever you want to share with the world how can cancel culture literally negatively affect whatever you're trying to share with the world
1: Hmm. um kind of all of of the old, old ethics and the morality have been turned upside down by identity politics so um this is going to be interestingly difficult to talk but not not difficult to talk about because there's nothing is with you <laughs> it's like in um 2010 they introduced the equality act here in britain which means basically that anybody of a protected characteristic um you can't say anything against them bad they call it hate speech but um if i um describe you as black for example and you aren't happy about that just describing not saying anything else and you say he. Call be black and you complain about that, then I can lose my job under the Equality Act. So essentially this is to protect you and to protect me, you'd think, wouldn't you? But, um, what's happened is that anybody disabled of, of a non, non, non kind of white race, um, trans, uh, a person that isn't your own sex, like, like a man to a woman, um, there's, there's a nine different characteristics and that's the main ones are protected under this thing is what people have now done quite quickly over these 13 years is to see how that can be used to get people sacked and then to take their jobs and so inside the government here and the civil service and all the institutions all of them they call it is being captured by equality act kind of woke things so you get um, for example a trans person which is obviously a super minority but they are also super politicized so they get in there and say so sean said he called me Dave, but he knows that I want to be called Davina. Um, I'll get sacked because I'm not going to apologise for a mistake, for example. Or even if I do apologise, he'll sack me anyway because I'm famous, if that's the case. And that's how they'll get rid of me. And then they'll come in and take my job. Um, this is a very simplified version of what is being done under the Equality Act. So the freedom of speech and the protection of the minority rights is being properly abused here. Um, we are quite on the vanguard of these minority rights with Canada and New Zealand, places like that. But places trying to do a good thing by the, mon- the minorities in their country, but that is having a very, very difficult effect on the 85% of indigenous people, which, which I mean by white, uh, in that, those countries. So even the most kind of liberal and progressive and generously minded people, like me, observing this, are going, hang on, you're messing with that Equality Act in the way that it wasn't designed. Do you know what I mean? So that's where we are.
0: Yeah, and actually, when it comes to my country, I believe that that does not exist completely because (laughs) as weird and as ironic as it may sound, people lash at each other. Like literally, cancel culture in this country, it's not even existent because a lot of people would have been accountable for their actions by now because you find that, Freedom of speech when it comes to our country literally means you can do absolutely anything and almost get away with it. Because you find, let's say, let's say from the highest point, the politicians, the government itself, you expect these people to be the most moral people because they are your leaders. You expect to be the guiding eye and the guiding feet of the nation. You expect these people to be the people who actually appreciate equality and reforms but you find these people are actually lashing out on each other on live tv you find they are throwing chairs in parliament you find they are fighting each other on parliament and it's been shown on tv you find them calling each other crude names on tv and it's not like vague it's literally it's like i come to on tv and say sean you think you can beat me in this election? Well, I know you did this and this back when, here and here. I have proofs. Come, you want to say this? I won't even take you to court. We'll stand in a field and we'll say everything. Not even like, a, it's not even a conference. They just call the media randomly and then they just say these crude things so that the nation can hear. They're literally bashing each other, lashing each other, physical fights. And then you go back into the society, you think, oh, maybe, maybe the society might have a conscience, right? No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, literally. Like, you see, we have been fighting for years for LGBTQ rights here in this country. Literally, the courts approved it, like the Supreme Courts approved it, but politicians, these are politicians, they are trying to, like, say, uh-uh, this, this, this should not exist. Because this is not African norms, as what they say. They are not saying it's a 21st century thing. No, they're saying completely, this was brought in by the colonials. This was brought in by the whites. So we are not supposed to go by this. If your child is doing this, then your child is possessed. Your child is cursed. You're not supposed to do this. And I'm like, okay, I thought you people, you were trying to develop the country. I thought you were trying to take yourself off the map as a third world country how how is this a just society and nobody's talking about it everybody wants to think that oh the country is all flowers and roses oh come see the country and i'm like you guys are hypocrites how do you just call tourists into the country and you're like oh the country is so perfect come see the nation come see the wildlife oh poverty what poverty the only poverty you can see here is in the slums people dying of hunger no those are only people in the desert and you realize oh my neighbor literally didn't eat last night the child hasn't eaten for a week why aren't we talking about that there are people who don't have houses they literally live in boxes or roofs that are leaking each and every day because of literally showers not even heavy rains just showers but oh you're painting this picture to the world that we're not a terrible country we have great leaders We go to World Health Organization meetings, and we stand there with our president, with our prime ministers, with our VCs, and we're like, hey, Hakuna Matata. I'm like, no, there is. There is a problem in the country because people don't get to see this. We, the ones who are on the ground, we are the ones who get to see this. And I'm like, why isn't the nation talking about this? We have social media. The young people can't talk about it because do you know what they say, Sean? They're like, what has this government done for me? Mm -hmm. Why should I complain? I'm okay. So if you're not okay, I don't care. Are you my family? No, I shouldn't care. So why should I go and complain when nobody else is going to help me when I'm in trouble? So that's the mentality that's going on within the country that I have to save myself and I don't have to save my neighbor. Because the government itself is not saving me. So why should I care? You see? I
1: I, I can tell. Um there's obviously a campaigning journalist in you to um hopefully help your country um as you go forward if by the sound of it, obviously you're talking about a culture that I'm not familiar with, but I did experience that kind of thing in into Turkey when when I used to live there um, you know kind of short of Turkey isn't your country either, but it's also that kind of pretend freedom of speech and a lot of self interest at that particular time. but those these things do change with politics, and it requires people like you to hopefully um persist in in whatever you're doing, as you probably know.
0: Mhm. Mhm. But moving on from all this frustratingness of <laughs> the freedom of of expression and all that, let's consider intersectionality, where we recognize that one size fits all situation is not a thing when it comes to cancel culture. It's always this or this, it's black or white. So when it comes to intersectionality, how can we emphasize the significance of it, considering social justice movements and also showcasing how it broadens perspectives and addresses diverse experiences when it comes to individuals or maybe institutions or maybe in a larger scale societies?
1: Um, I think that... um, I'm coming from a post social justice uh, perspective and you're coming from a pre social justice or an aspirational social justice perspective. So we've seen this stuff kind of uh, play out for the last 20 years um, where intersectionality has not been a good experience because, um, yes, like there's the sex rights and the gender rights and the race rights and all this stuff has to play into each other. And the thing is, before you know it, you get a six foot kind of a black guy who's pretending to be, who's kind of, who says he's a woman and wants those rights respected. And if you don't, he wants, wants the reparations for that and to be able to be called something else on a different day that he tells you what that's going to be, or he or she. Before you know it, people, people are start, what happens is people start to use abuse the intersectionality rights in order to get their way, as opposed to actually having something to say. So at first, it was all about having something to say, like the Black Lives Matter thing. We all saw it coming out of America and how that enveloped the world for for a period during lockdown. And it was interesting. And um, there was a lot of sympathy for the George Floyd situation until you realised that, well, he he was a known criminal, uh, didn't help, though he's dead, so okay, it's gone. Um, and then the fact that all of the leaders of the Black Lives Movement organisations were basically on the fiddle, they were on the take. They were done for fraud later on, and they spent all the money. So the whole thing was exposed as this kind of, kind of grift with a good intention. And then you sort of to go, well, so with all these movements, just like the politicians that you're talking about there operating in a negative way, so do the social justice activists start to do that when they get a bit of success so you never know or a bit of you know sort of fame and success um that's a real risk in human nature and it can happen to almost anybody um kind of and it's not not a left or right thing because people on the right have a lot of dignity and honor too a lot of the time as do a lot of people on the left in more of a um let's the only difference is in the, in to share the wealth um, thing that you were mentioning earlier, it's all about me. Well, that's obviously not not the left wing thing, but when it comes to the right, they're about it's all about nation, and that is very much against the post sort of social justice thing, which is the World Economic F- F- Forum, who will be abusing your country at the moment for their own ends, and ours, Britain, etc., are trying to work out their relationship with it. So, intersectionality is actually a bit of a Done story for people like me who are on the other side of it and who have been burned by it. By the way, I've been to court for, for various things where intersectionality has been kind of mentioned, but the lawyers are like, What on earth are you talking about? You can't confuse matters like that, which is what intersectionality in terms of human rights is all about. It's a real complicated one and it's not quite as good as it looks on the box, basically,
0: is what I'm saying. Yeah, you mentioned about the social justice movements, and I remembered, like, yeah, when you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement started. I remember it, it It took like a month. Everybody was concentrated on it, which is good. But like two months down the line, Stop Asian Hate appeared. And I'm like, okay, now we have two movements. We have Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. And then a little along the way, people are like, wait, we still have Latinos. So every minority wanted a piece of the pie because... Yes, it was already an issue that was already struggling in America when it comes to Black Lives Matter, but every other people were now coming up. They're like, okay, but we we are also part of this. And then in the end, a new movement popped up, All Lives Matter. So it was mm-hmm. like an inclusive movement of everybody matters, right? If you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Latino, nobody cares. All lives matter. And basically... From what you've explained to us when it comes to intersectionality, if you embrace it in a positive direction, it means that social justice movements become more inclusive. They also become more effective and also more empathetic at the same time. It's not about just hate. It's also about embracing cultures. It's also about sharing experiences. It's sharing stories. It's not always about the sad aspect of it. And uh, people need to remember that there's always two sides of the coin, because even if you say black lives matter, we can also share the positive part of the history. Right. If you say Asian lives matter, you can also share the positive sides of the cultures. You don't have to say, oh, oh, Asians are poor oh, or Asians do this and this. They are talented in this and this. Or why aren't people saying that? Or Ch- like Chinese don't work in factories. Why can not people say that? Mm -hmm. Because people forget it because they're like, when you say Asians, we still have the Chinese. Are you forgetting that you've always said for years that anything made in China was made from little kids who are stuck in factories with no food to eat or sleeping on cold floors? Did you forget that you were saying that? You need to remember that's what people said in the past and include it in your movement. They're like, okay, you need to stop. So if you embrace the intersectionality in a positive way, in a positive way, where where you're remembering the good things and the bad at the same time and trying to find that balance, it will ensure that in the end, nobody's struggles are overlooked. Right. Mm. And uh, it minimizes the pursuit of a more just society because people are like, we need a just society because things are going bad. What about when it comes to the good things? Doesn't that mean that Mm. if there's a good thing happening, it means that the society is in a good position at the moment? So why don't we just reflect on that also, and not just show that the society is wrong because of this and this. We can also show that the society is good because of this and this. We need to remember there are good parts of the society because of this and this and this. Right?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I I do do agree do agree with that. Um, especially in the sense um with. The critical identity theory which uh, includes critical kind of race theory and gender but so all of it identity the thing is what you're talking about right now isn't actually intersectionality where all the other things um are together in order to create a mass complaint <laughs> um, sort of progress uh, uh kind of model what what you're talking about is the good and the bad side or very much the good side being promoted in order to keep that balance otherwise the world is going to be turned off your problem and i couldn't <laughs> agree more with you about that and it's the problem with crt critical race theory is that everything is framed about around the white man being bad and i say man uh, objectively the colonies the colonialism there's it's a very very complicated story and i'm not about to protect it as a white englishman but i know my history as well as you do probably and, um, and in both of our countries, there's lots and lots of people who support the concept of colonial, or the good things done back then, as well as the bad things, which are much, much more talked about because of the time that we're in. But for 200 years, it was only the good things that were talked about. So what I'd like to see will be a post-intersectionality place where all the good and the bad are talked about. Um, we shouldn't be pulling statues down in this country, which, you know, there's a fashion for that a couple of years ago, and that put back the intersectionality cause massively. It, if you take down a statue, even if you had a statue of Hitler in the middle of your town <laughs> and you, and the people d- decided they wanted it there, nobody has a right to take it down. But that was happening here because of critical identity theory. So it's 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 very, very complex. And it's um it's all about the politics of power as well. But I completely agree that people should exemplify the positive as well as the complaint. Just because they think that the positive is not going to get them any money and any, any kind of leverage. And that's a problem, because if they don't do what you're saying, they're just going to end up in a negative downward spiral. And that would be a pity.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned that. And I remember the saddest thing. <laughs> it's uh, it's not funny, but it's sad because um, was it. When, when did the Queen pass away? Was it this year or last year?
1: Just last year. To, to yeah, I don't right even there.
0: remember. Time is flying that I don't even remember. Yeah, when the queen passed away, I remember it was a sad moment for everybody in Britain and for the rest of the world. And I remember, I posted my condolences for that. And uh, everywhere on my WhatsApp status, people are like, not even moved by the queen passing away. And people are especially when you checked on the Kenyan side of Twitter, people are like, oh the colonialist has passed away. The colonialist has passed away. And I'm like, wait, she didn't do anything wrong. Her Mm -hmm. father was the colonialist. She wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because remember the time that when we check our histories, because Britain's history and uh, Kenya's history, there's a point in time where it interconnects. Because uh, when uh, Queen Elizabeth was uh, announced that she was going to take the throne when she was younger, she was actually... In a vacation in our country when she mm. received the mm. call and the announcement she was in our country on a vacation when she found yes. out that uh, when the, when the, when she found out the king had died and now she was going to be queen and uh, when she flew back it took her a few years but she helped in in a way to end the colonialism in our country because it was her father's actions not hers but when it comes to the people of our country they just generalized Britain in a hole, and they're like, you know what? Who are the colonialists? The British. Mm -hmm. So who is to blame? The Queen. And I'm like, hold up. You're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but what has the Queen done to you? (laughs) She did nothing. She, she, She did nothing. It was the previous holder of the crown that did that. Why didn't you say that during that time? But now mm. that you have a face to the crown, you're going to blame that face. Oh, mm. I'm telling you, it was the worst moment of my life because I'm like, is there no shred of thought between these people? Because it was only the government officials and like high-ranking people in the nation who are offering the condolences to the monarchy, but for the rest of the countrymen, people are like, good riddance. We 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 got to read one of the colonialists, and I'm like. Okay. Okay. People, just slow down. Just slow down. Look oh, back. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Because even, I'm even looking around, around my peers. They're like, you know what? Growing up, I remember my grandfather was part of the Freedom Fighters. I remember my great-grandpa was part of the Freedom Fighters. So we're not supposed to be mourning along with the people of Britain because they lost their monarch. We are supposed to be celebrating. Because it's reducing, and then I'm like, just, just take a moment and pause, just, just pause, breathe in, breathe out, pause, and rethink your statement. <laughs> just pause and rethink your statement because oh, that that was it was a, a very weird week for everybody. Because you, you you look at one side of your Twitter account, everybody's remorseful. You look at the other side of your Twitter account, people are celebrating. In a way, mm. and I'm like, okay, she wasn't so, in Hitler. If if this was the, like back then in Germany with Hitler, you could have understood why some people are celebrating. But it's like, you can imagine, let's say, uh, like a great grandkid of Hitler, and then they pass away. And then an entire nation celebrates their death because of what their great grandfather did. Mm. It's like they're br- blaming this brand new generation and I'm like wow you guys that's that's just mean it's actually mean in a new level <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I'm sorry to you guys but <laughs> it happened here
1: There we go Sadly. like I mean that's the whole story of um the post empire for us is that um what 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 uh, so British people have to remember whatever sort of side of the political divide they're on is that all of the colonized countries and there's loads of them have a right to have their stages of grief. And if, um, if kind of Kenya is still in a certain, um, anger stage, then it has to do that until it starts to realize that Britain is a part of their past, whether they like it or not. Because if you, if you erase that, you're erasing something precious from your grandparents' lives. And um, they'll get that eventually. You'll still have historians keeping all this stuff going. You can't completely eliminate all this stuff, and nor should you. And that goes for Hitler's grandchildren as well. You know, So um, if they're going through that stage, hopefully the other stage of acceptance is coming down the line. And um, very patronizing of me. But that's how I have to handle the fact that the, the, my great-grandparents were doing the work of, the queen's granddad or I, I don't know it wasn't us was it basically anyway here we are Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't
0: it was, it was it was 60 years ago i don't even remember was it the queen's dad i don't even remember the king I
1: don't think so, because he, he wasn't that kind of a guy but i think it was her granddad possibly it can't be
0: Six, 60 years 60, 60. years Yeah, it was 60 years ago that the country gained independence. So you can say like about five, 10 years of fighting for independence. So it could be the queen's father.
1: Well, the queen actually came to the throne 70 years ago. So at the time that was happening, it would have been her um, in, in, in charge. But I think we have to consult some historical Google a bit later on to find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, it was, was
0: probably it. the queen's father because I remember the. According to our history, the the fighting part of independence was also long, and then they gained independence five ten years later. I don't even remember. The history is complicated. It's it's short but complicated. Funny enough, okay. I, I even yeah. wonder how. The, the, People in the States study their history because U.S. history is so long. <laughs> I don't even remember. But it's weird. It was it was so weird. It was so confusing. But what I knew was that when uh, when the queen was here, when her father died, when she knew that she was going to be crowned the next queen of England, she was currently here. And it was in a good state. It was yeah. a chill, relaxed moment where she could come – actually stay and uh war wouldn't break out or anything yeah Mm. so i think it was during her father's time and then uh she somehow helped in smoothening everything out and then by the time she got crowned everything here was fully settled Mm. yeah it was it was somehow weird because i know that uk history and uh Kenyan history intertwines one way or another B- beyond yeah. the aspect of colonialism. It just intertwines somewhere where there is a speck of a moment where we become one and then splits again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're anyway, to
1: often, find
0: out. Yeah. 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 It takes a lot of reading <laughs> and a lot of research. Only four presidents, but still confusing history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on, we stumble upon accountability and redemption, still on the topic of uh, cancel culture. So could you give us examples of uh, individuals or maybe even institutions who have faced cancelization in any way and possibilities of restorative justice forms they have taken or maybe actions of forgiveness or maybe personal growth they've gained from the cancel culture?
1: Um, it's usually much more sort of politicized than that, as in for people sort of demanding an apology for another person's point of view. So they have nothing. I can't think off the top of my head about a thing where an apology has happened. that's actually meant people only apologize because they're being forced to, which is not a real apology. Um, at the moment, we've got Mr. Russell Brand, the, the comedian here who has been accused of rape and sexual assault um, from like 15, 20 years ago. Because he has been talking openly about the Ukraine war, the COVID jabs, and um, various things that happen in the global political scene, uh, from from a position of sort of pure honesty, and that's unacceptable, um, according to them. So he's been basically uh, the Times and sort of Channel Four have been working on him for four years, and they've got a bunch of ex girlfriends, and they've. Um, pretty much kind of coerced them to say that the relationship wasn't what it was. And so now the best way to take down a powerful man is by a sex allegation. And so they're taking him down through this. He's been cancelled. He's off YouTube. He's got the rumble left because they're, they're cool. But every, everything else and all the advertisers are pulling out a rumble now. They're basically shutting him down not because of old sexual behaviours, but because of his sort of political um, stance. And it's been fascinating watching him being cancelled over the last week on a purely, on a truly global scale, because he's big in America. Um, in the same year, this year, this has happened to four other presenters. It's basically these media companies. And so what's his, what's the retribution for him going to be? He's already said he was a cad in his, in his younger days. He's not that guy anymore. He got married and had some kids, and now he's a very wholesome guy uh, russell brand compared to what he used to be but even when he used to be that he was just a young man going around being himself people shouldn't be apologizing for being themselves so um <laughs> accountability if you're going to force it out of somebody isn't a true apology people have to accept their differences uh, and council culture doesn't allow for that so um the, what, what the councillors have to do is to accept the fact that people who don't think their way are not evil. They just think in a different way. But children don't do that. They say they're evil. So we're dealing, um, the people who are against culture, like me are dealing with a bunch of children. That's actually what's going on. And that's why I can't right now think of any redemption, because um, you don't have anything to redeem for when you're arguing with a bunch of infants.
0: Yeah, but didn't Boris Johnson go through the same thing back in 2022? I remember there was a huge scandal with Boris during COVID and, uh, he, he got impeached. Was he, was he impeached out of the government? I uh, don't remember well, what happened because I couldn't follow up because it was news after news after news, Twitter after Twitter after Twitter. And right. then I'm like, okay, wait, wait, hold on. What's happening? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it's a st- If you're going to follow British politics, it's all a storm in a teacup. It's all complete nonsense. But, um, it was a lot of different things with Boris because he's basically a survivor and will just kind of twist the truth at every point. If Russell Brand's not like that. He tells the truth all the time. And that's what's got him in trouble. But with Boris, um, the thing, the straw that broke the camel's back was one of his MP assistants, uh, used to get drunk and used to fondle the bottoms of the young kind of guys that he worked with so and it was a drinking problem basically but because boris said um ignore this uh he can have a job anyway a journalist discovered this outed him and said that how come boris knew all this and didn't tell us so it was another sex scandal but it wasn't boris's sex scandal it was was one of the people that that is an mp for him his name's chris pincher but like i say it's a straw that broke the camel's back and it's only to remove boris from power not because there's anything sexually bizarre going on the problem is the sex stuff is so base so infantile so irrelevant and it's very human so so it touches the people but the reality is it's the the mechanisms of power how to get rid of someone by calling them kind of immoral immoral and um to Donald Trump and Joe Biden exactly the same thing they've both been accused of sexual assault but you wouldn't know that from Biden so it's all um utter bollocks, I'm afraid, for this. And it's, uh, but also it's, it's as sort of journalistic-like people, we're able to kind of prise it apart, you know.
0: Yeah, because I remember it was like Boris was being ripped apart on social media because every single time I tuned in to Fox News or CNN, I could just see his face. And I'm like, you guys, he just stepped out of his home. How early did you get to his gate Enter, camp outside his home, wait for this man so that you can just bombard (laughs) him with questions. And I'm like, okay. At, At a point, I sympathized with him, and then I'm like, wait, what's even happening? Can somebody just paint me a clear picture of what is actually happening? Is he guilty or not? Because Twitter can't tell you anything. Twitter will just give you a headline. And if you try to follow up with that headline, it's complete nonsense that's happening in the comment section because everybody's trying to throw their opinion and everybody is trying to be a witness. Everybody is trying to be the secret holder. Everybody is trying to be the news breaker. And you're like, can somebody with actual information just... Tell me in a summary what's going on with Boris, because right now, even for Trump himself, if you try to follow Trump's case, it's a lost cause. It's a complete lost cause. You just have to wait and wait for the court to say if he's guilty or not. Is he getting sentenced or not? That's all that matters at the moment, because if you try to follow up all the allegations that everybody has filed against him, you won't keep up. You won't keep up. Because it started with racism and then it all went down. Actually, not even racism. It started with a Mexican wall, (laughs) the wall he wanted to build on Mexico. And then it went into him trying to abolish Obamacare into smithereens. And then it went on to him not caring about Black Lives Matter and then just escalated into I don't know what it was. Crazy. It was insane. The next minute I know is that he's in court. I actually just saw his mugshot and I'm like, wait, he's already getting a mugshot <laughs> because <laughs> I thought this was going to be like a silent thing that they do in the states, like behind closed chambers. It's just the judge, the prosecutor, the Trump and his uh, lawyer, but ooh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And you don't know what's actually happening. I don't even think journalists know what's happening. They're just getting bits and pieces of everything that they can gather, let's say from the courts or from his statements or from something, anything that can be re- released officially by the courts. But like an actual moment where Trump comes out and says this is, and this, or, or his lawyer maybe just comes out and says this is what he's being accused of or this is how everything is going on. Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. We're just in the dark with. Everything. We're just filling out the bits and pieces until we hopefully reach the end of it all and see how everything ends up.
1: Well, at absolutely every level, the courts are politicised now in England and America. So if it's just a common working man up to the politicians, even you say let's just wait for verdicts. Well, that verdict's going to be um, messy as well. So unfortunately, because they're just polit- politicised everywhere, it's just basically it comes down to who do you vibe with. Do you like the vibe of Trump and his independent F you to the world uh, stance? Or do you like the Biden thing of wanting to do the right thing by the new world order, um, as Trump would say? And so you take your chances. What I see basically past all the bullshit that we're talking about and not being able to tell the truth of anything in all three of our countries, Kenya, Britain and America, can't see the truth. So you have to go. Do you go for independence or do you go for um, the collaboration with the world and the older i get the more i go towards independence but because i'm a centrist i always want to go for the center i try to bring myself back from that again to make sure i'm being as objective as possible that's my basic strategy for this
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, when it comes to educational opportunities how has a uh, cancel culture or how can cancel culture serve as a what can we say? It as a uh, educational opportunity pathway for anybody around the world.
1: Well, um, unfortunately, cancel culture is a part of education, as in the books that are in the English literature canon, which are very sort of uh, precious to people in the humanities who are in the English language, are being kind of kind of cancelled or out of published or. Revised in some ways, so the original words of the author two hundred years ago were they a bit racist, a bit anti-Semitic, possibly sexist? They will tidy these things up, and the Stanford Dictionary is going to employ its new politically correct um, sort of <laughs> dictionary version, where we don't have the word black for a negative anymore. It's not a black day; it's a cloudy day, etc., etc., etc. They're going to use that as a template into how to rewrite these old classics. This is it's another 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 version of cancel culture, which is disastrous for the arts because the arts are supposed to be as problematic as possible. That's when arts are good, not this the blanded out version of whatever they're doing in the pursuit of human rights. That's not what we should be doing as advanced democracies
0: hmm And uh, Sean, could you offer us some practical tips on engaging on productive conversations about these topics, especially cancel culture and work issues, both online and also offline when you're engaging interpersonal with people? And also, how can these tips promote empathy and also civical discourse for effective communication?
1: That's a fair question. I hope that um, our audience is... Kind of uh, listening to to this and understanding what we do, which is to analyze without judgment and to toss from both ideas. You you have a brilliant ability of taking the other side in a reasonable way. And I every time I uh, find myself getting frustrated with something, I try to go to the point past that, which is as an adult coming, looking back on it and going, what's the reason I was getting frustrated with it and looking at that? So um, it, I think it's very important for people n- so not to personalize this stuff too much. We always get very personal about it. It's not helpful. It's not intellectual. It's not academic. And it's not going to help getting kind of reactive because the media wants you to react. And if uh, like we're two people kind of in, in the media or going towards the media, criticizing it, and that's very healthy. And the best way to do that is to look at what it wants and just look at what the story wants you to think and then think, do I want to think like that? Because that's what it's all about. That's what these reactions are. If it's about sex, they're trying to get to the heart of how you feel as a human being. And if they're about identity, it's the same thing again. And they're trying to work on those delicate things. So just look at what that paper, that writer, that editor might be wanting you to do and ask yourself if you you want to go along with that or not. That's how I handle it anyway.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've also... Well, I can actually add to that by uh, saying that uh, active listening and using like the I statement without sounding accusatory is actually a really good concept or a really good tip to include in your life. Because uh, I remember one of my professors earlier on when I first joined college, they used to tell me that there's a difference between listening and hearing. You could be... Hearing, but you're not taking mental thought of anything. But for somebody who is actually listening to you, they actually take mental notes of whatever you're saying. They're actually taking the bits and pieces. They can actually know where to put emphasis on. They know where emotions will lie in their next statement. And uh, when you're actually speaking, avoid using the we term, like Mm -hmm. we think, or it is our decision, or Generalizing, basically, in your statement, make it yours. Say, I think, or maybe saying, like, I know this, or maybe I believe this, or maybe I presumed, not saying I assumed, because these are things that actually make a change in your statement and prevent people from twisting whatever you are trying to say. Because uh, when you find somebody who says, let's say for a statement, let's say I assumed you knew about this. That could come out as you are ignorant, right? It could Mm -hmm. turn out like a statement like you are ignorant and you just made your own assumptions. But if you said, I presumed you knew this, it takes that statement into a whole nother dimension where it was your understanding that this person had a similar understanding of the situation that you were in. But when you say, I assumed, it sounds ignorant. And it sounds like you're accusing this person of being in the wrong at the same time. So if you put these two aspects into your day-to-day lives, both online and offline, you'll find people get more respectful. You find uh, cancel culture diverts into a more positive way. And also being calm and respectful online, not even just in a physical aspect, being respectful online, being calm in a situation where everything feels like it's just out of control, like you're in the eye of the storm and you don't know what to do. Just stay calm and stay respectful and remember to just empathize with everybody who is there because you don't know what this person is going through when they're trying to lash out at you in social media. You don't know, you don't know what they're thinking at the moment. So if you try to fuel the fire at the same time, instead of just calming it down, you realize, oh, everybody gets burned and nothing is salvaged at the end.
1: Hmm. That's exactly right. Um, the only way you can handle um, what looks like the madness of other people on there, because they can be so nasty, so rhetorical and such nonsense and, and so like irritating and it just puts you off for the day the way the shit they can come out with at you or at other people and you get upset on their behalf, blah, blah, blah. The only way to handle it is to work out what they're going through or what they're trying to achieve. Once you think about that in the way that, like I was talking about with the media and other ways, depersonalize it but just kind of work out what their motivation is, you calm down immediately because then it goes, all right, they they were just in that kind of a mood or they were feeling that. And don't forget, according to Scott Adams in America, about 50% of these people are drunk when they're updating. So he's done some research on that. And that's important to remember. I never do this stuff drunk, you know, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) not anymore anyway. And the times as, as a younger man I did, it's like never went well. So, you know. Yeah, they're either drunk
0: or annoyed, like purely raged. You can't even reason with them at any moment. They know that they're right and you're wrong, and there's nothing else you can do. And there's nothing worse than reasoning with a drunk person or an angered person because it's a lost cause. You're talking (laughs) to a wall at that point. (laughs) They're not (laughs) listening to you. It's like you're just making up words to them. And I think that. That when it comes to constructive mannerisms online and also in uh, in the physical world, it also pours into the constructive culture in general, even in uh, societies and in an institutional level, where you find uh, people are encouraged to have diverse perspectives. You literally have to think outside the box in your day-to-day life. Don't just squeeze yourself into this mentality that was fed into you by society when you were younger, because we have evolved. This is whatever you were thinking back in 2010 cannot be sticking right now in 2023, especially with what has happened within the past decade. You cannot have the same mentality that you had back then. You have to evolve as the world evolves as well. And you find that uh, people also have this uh, digital citizenship, if you can call it that, where People are coming together, no matter where you're from. People are coming together with a similar understanding. Let's say they are trying to promote togetherness or they're trying to promote uh, communication amongst other people or they're trying to improve societies from wherever they are. You find somebody in Bangladesh is communicating with somebody in Kazakhstan who is communicating with somebody in Greenland who is communicating with somebody here in the deepest parts of Africa. You find that all these people – Different parts of the world, but they come together because they understand each other at this point and they know that, okay, mm-hmm. shoot me your idea. I shoot your idea and we can come up with something. And this is something beautiful that could be embraced in the nation because you find even if companies did this as well, you find if companies could stand for of course, companies have uh, ambitions. They have motives. They have visions, and they have missions. But if companies could have like a yearly vision, leave alone the five-year vision, like an yearly vision, they could just say, um, "We're a textile company, right? You are in uh, Africa. You are in China. You're in the UK. We are three different textile companies. What could be our yearly vision?" We can say, like, our yearly vision is to reduce the carbon footprint. Let's not produce new clothes. Let's find a way to recycle old clothes into something new. Let's refurbish everything into something new. And in the end of the year, we can have this huge, cheap sale where everybody gets to buy these things. And you will find, like, even companies. They can have like that yearly vision where they can come together with the same goals for one year. and They can say, oh, because I know something, you know something, you have this resource, they have this resource. Let's come together and have like every year one big thing that we can do for the world. You don't have to do it within your own country. You can choose a random region, like completely random. And just mm. decide, let's help that community right there. Like our year, yearly goal is for that community. And I think if we did that, as a species, uh, like in in let's say ten, twenty years, the world would be a better place for everybody to live in.
1: Sounds great. Good luck with it. Let's see how, <laughs> how it works with our other jobs in
0: life. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. Like. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's always thought of that because. Mm. Uh, if uh I'm sure you know this song by Louis Armstrong, What a What a Wonderful World. You're when he made that song, when he sang that song it was years back. Years back. Was it was it thirty years back? Right. Oh my, that song's old.
1: Possibly nineteen sixty or something like
0: that. Yeah, that song's older than I am. I think it's as old as my dad. Yeah, it should be that there yeah. 40 maybe, 40 years ago. And if he had that dream back then, I'm sure a lot of people have had the similar dream along the way where somehow, maybe, hopefully, we can just sit a day in the planet and not have, like, disasters happening within societies. We won't have – A politician being accused of murder. We won't have a a musician being accused of something. We won't have a common man being accused of treason. We just have one, at least just one chill day. We don't have to have it all. Just one chill day. At least even the, maybe even the, the, the polar can stop melting for that one day who knows who knows like the world could just stop it. like just time stops for a single day where everything is just going right that's or a perhaps, dream perhaps,
1: <laughs> just don't read it just to, because it, it, if you don't read it it doesn't exist you know that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a problem with the media but it, that's difficult to do when you're ambitious so
0: mm-hmm. double bind yeah you just have to share share your hopes and dreams with everybody until finally finally like at least a group, a large enough group of people see your vision, <laughs> and they get hopefully. idealism is good. And if, yeah. if there's if there's anything
1: that we can do with this tech that we're using, uh, then it's it's absolutely a good thing. You know, you're talking to lots of people who who care. I'm I'm a little bit um, jaded. I, I used to be much more like you than I am now, but it doesn't mean that I don't support you. I completely do. It's just. Uh, <laughs> This is operating.
0: It's a bit tricky, you know but. yeah, yeah it years ago, like back in was it two thousand or two thousand and one michael jackson actually he managed to achieve this for 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 a moment for a split second he managed to achieve, with with his song um what what we are the world the song he made for Africa, We Are The World. And that song, yeah, I remember that song growing up. My mom taught me that song. It was her go-to song. She was like, you need to learn this song. And we used to sing it every single weekend. She had a cassette player. It had just Michael Jackson songs. And I remember that was like the second or third song in his playlist. And she used to keep it on, and and she's like, we need to sing this song. And when I read the comments on uh, YouTube right now, you find people are saying, oh, when this song came out, I was here and here. When this song came out, I was with my grandpa. And it's like beautiful moments, people remember, just through mm-hmm. song. People are saying, oh, this song, I remember singing it with my grandpa. Or I remember this song playing, the first time it played, I was here and here. And it's, it's stuck. It's, it's a very impactful song that is stuck with everybody, no matter where you're from. Because I realized no matter where you're from, no matter what language you speak, somehow you've heard this song and it's made an impact on your life. And I'm like, no matter what he did, he finally, he finally, for just a moment, for those three minutes, for those, was it three, four minutes, no matter how long that song was, for the first time, whenever somebody hears it, it makes an impact on their life. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you feel so warm inside it because you see so many artists coming together from all walks of life, all races, just coming to sing this beautiful song of appreciation, and you're like, yes, yes, this is a beautiful moment. <laughs>
1: you're gonna have to get that song into into this podcast now and then. Yeah, play, play more yeah, I'll,
0: I'll play, I'll play it right now. Anyway, for closing remarks, do you have anything for us?
1: Oh, well, no, that was, that was a journey as, as we do. And, um, fascinating hearing about the Kenyan history. I'm going to get onto, onto a bit of that later on to, but, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very careful on cancel culture because I'm an artist and a writer and I wouldn't want to, about to sell million copies of a book and then the person goes in and goes did you know that 10 years ago Sean said something about someone there and everything's cancelled what a nightmare and I'm sure (laughs) your audience thinks the same thing wherever they're from you know so that's where I'm coming from
0: yeah oh my god you said that and I remember back in 2020 when I started this podcast I absolutely schemed my social media pages (laughs) especially on Twitter. And I'm like, what did I like? Because you know, when you go to Twitter on your profile, there's a section of liked where you can click Mm -hmm. and see whatever you've liked. And I'm like, is there anything that I've liked that's controversial on the world? And I'm like, is there anything that I've posted that's controversial? And right now, even if I post something on social media, I'm so careful with whatever I say. I'm so careful with whatever hashtags I use because I'm like, you never know because, um, you could be trending tomorrow, and then by the evening, people are just on you. They're like, "Oh my God, six years ago, Phyllis had this new account, and she posted this picture, or oh, she liked this picture, and you're like, "Wait, during that time, this was just an innocent picture. What do you mean? What am I?" And you can't even." try to get yourself out of it because the more you try the more guilty you look <laughs> yeah, you mm-hmm. yeah you just have to be and and actually even it's even worse to be quiet because i've been seeing that people are saying if you try to defend yourself you look guilty if you try yeah. to be quiet you look guilty so i'm like what am i supposed to do at that point
1: <laughs> go quiet and
0: yeah whatever you like, do it's like wrong so i'm like okay so in short, it's just to prevent the storm as early as possible. It's better <laughs> if you just start a brand new, brand new social media account. You can even delete the email and just start afresh. Or, <laughs> you or, or,
1: or, or you just start to be the person who doesn't give a shit about it all and just wants to go and cause trouble. There is that is there that's available to do as well, but not yeah. really my style. Then we done trouble making.
0: Yeah, because I know sometimes for me personally, I can be carefree. But when it comes to social media, I've never been more careful with anything. Like in yeah. real life, I will speak my truth. And I know if you try to twist it, I'm like, if it's not recorded, it does not exist. Mm-hmm. I go I go with my journalistic instinct. I'm like, if it's not on paper, it does not exist. But on mm-hmm. social media, it's clearly right there. The Internet does not forget. Even if you delete, it's like they go into the web deep, deep, deep down somehow. They find the trash chute that you deleted, and then they go in there, just swim in the rubble, and then they pick it up. They're like, here are the receipts.
1: Keep telling the truth anyway, despite all that. <laughs> <Nothing's-> <laughs> you should always just tell the truth. Christ and
0: pray. <laughs> just no. just tell the truth. And pray to the heavens and nobody twists anything that you say. <laughs>
1: If they do, fuck them. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing too much swearing tonight on your show. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. It's okay. It's okay. The good thing about, about Spotify for podcasters, they allow you to label if, uh, the, the, the episode is explicit or not. So you can just label it instead of editing anything. But when it comes to YouTube, oh my God, YouTube, you need to have a strong editor who loves to stay awake so that they can just listen to every single thing that you say and just bleep out everything. There there are a lot of filters these days on YouTube. It's, It's weird. It's just insane. Yeah, there are a lot of filters. Like swear words are off the case. You can't use swear words on YouTube right now. If you want to get paid, no using swear words. You have to bleep it out. No matter how small, you have to bleep it out. And it's getting more and more intense, so it's wild. But for Spotify, you can just... Throw everything in then, just share it. If you hate it, nobody cares. <laughs>
1: right, right. That's good to know.
0: Yeah. But anyway, thank you for joining us for this episode. It's lovely having you always.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you too for the journey around the world that we do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And thank you to everybody else who's listening for taking a deep dive with us on the complexities and the challenges and the constructive solutions for all these pressing subtopics. So you can just take a moment for yourself, just go on the web, do your own personal research, explore the history for yourself, explore the nuances, explore the powers of empathy when it comes to council culture and uh, get an understanding for yourself before you decide to be, I don't know, an online warrior. For cancel culture <laughs> and learn how to foster productive conversations and create a more inclusive digital culture. People don't just go about saying anything without knowing the context of the story, don't dive into the comments because anything is trending. Try to understand it first, know where emotions lie, and then speak your mind. Don't just speak without thinking, you know, it's like leaping without first taking a breath to think about the situation you might dive into rapid fire actually if you do that and it's not nice but (laughs) anyways guys join us next time still with me and sean the series is not done this is the second episode we have four more episodes to go for a brand new fantastic topic i'll announce it soon enough on our social media pages remember to follow them check out sean's books as well on amazon leave a review and uh, he has a lot of books not just the ones we mentioned on the previous episode just check out everything on his author page on amazon i'll link everything in the description but anyways stay safe guys stay compassionate and keep the conversation going bye